Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Every time the gospel of the calling of the Twelve comes around, it's a great opportunity to preach on vocations to the priesthood. As you well know, at Prince of Peace, we are very intentional about creating and sustaining a culture of vocations. At every Mass, we pray, Lord, send us many holy priests, right? And we have a number of men in the seminary and more on the way. Now, if you look at statistics nationwide, South Carolina, amazingly, has a greater number of seminarians proportionately than most places in the country. Culturally Catholic cities like Philadelphia, New York, and Boston, which used to be vocations factories, have dried up. Meanwhile, Africa and Asia are producing vocations far more than Europe and the Americas. Now, the vocations boom that started under Pope St. John Paul II and Benedict XVI has slowed down a little bit lately. But something which is interesting from the studies that are coming out is that almost without exception, the men who are considering the priesthood today all self-identify as conservative or traditional Catholics. Now, personally, I hate labels like that because I think they're kind of meaningless. You're either Catholic or you're not, right? But what it means is that self-identifying progressive or liberal Catholics are not replicating themselves in any way in the priesthood, which means that if you're sitting there this morning thinking that your pastor is some kind of radical traditionalist, right, what's important to understand is that compared to the guys coming out of the seminary today, I look like a 1960s hippie flower child, okay, so get ready for it. Everyone agrees that we need priests, but the two questions whose answers divide us are, number one, what kind of men, and number two, how many men? In 2002, Michael Rose published a book called Goodbye, Good Men, where he documented the systematic exclusion of men who actually believed and practiced what the church taught from the priesthood in this country. It is absolutely depressing reading. Now, it's not quite as bad in 2024 as it once was, but those dynamics are still actually with us. There are bishops and religious communities who, quite frankly, don't want normal men who want to live celibacy, pray the rosary, and go to adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Okay? I know it's very hard to wrap our minds around this, but this is a thing. Okay? And don't even talk about the extraordinary form of the Latin Mass, which invariably has become a Rorschach test for separating the desirables from the undesirables. 
Those same bishops and religious communities have an agenda to try to change the church from within to become something other than what it actually is and what Christ established it to be. And some would rather have no priest at all than the wrong kind of priest, namely one that doesn't buy into this agenda. Now, you may not realize this, but the very fact that I would stand up in the pulpit and tell the truth about this means that I am a marked man. And men who come from parishes like ours to study for the priesthood are not always welcomed with open arms. Very often they have to fight for their vocation in ways that seem awfully crazy, but here we are. At the same time, there are voices within the church who are asking lots of questions. Why can't we ordain married men or let priests marry? Why can't we ordain women? Why can't we ordain those in same-sex relationships? Well, I mean, at first glance, right, it seems like a no-brainer. Increasing the potential pool of candidates will obviously increase the likelihood of more priests being ordained, right? It's just math. But our non-Catholic Christian friends who have gone down this path are facing an even worse vocations crisis than we are. It's not a panacea, all these kind of things that are being presented. And some of this discussion also arises as what people think is a great path to address the abuse problem. Yet the vast majority of abusers are not celibate priests, but married men. So it's not clear how allowing priests to marry is going to solve that problem, because last time I checked, marriage is not a medicine for pathology. Right? That's not how this works. The irony of all of this is that where the traditional teaching and practice of the church is actually respected, vocations flourish. And where it's ignored, they just dry up. The key to vocations is being more Catholic, not less Catholic. Also, there is great confusion nowadays about what the priest is and what his function should be. And that has come about because in our time, many priests have become little more than just unprofessional volunteers that get paid, who've lost their faith and stay in the clergy because they're comfortable. Even Pope Francis has noted that this is the case. First of all, the discipline of the celibacy of the clergy. Celibacy doesn't cause abuse any more than marriage causes adultery. So that's a non-starter. Now it is true that the Eastern churches ordain married men, that they're convert clergy from Protestantism who have been ordained as Catholic priests. 
But the reality is that their life is very rarely anything like the real on-the-ground life of the Catholic priest in Roman Rite parishes. Now, you know how I like to give it to you straight, but Catholics simply can't afford to pay their clergy what they would need to pay them to recruit and retain married men who have a family to feed, clothe, shelter, and educate. The people who push for the abolition of the celibacy of the clergy are often very naive about the reality of these things. So diocesan priests, in many ways, are kept men. I don't have to worry about things that most people worry about, and for that I am profoundly grateful to you because you make that happen, right? But the point is not just to be a kept man, but in order to be radically available at all times for the apostolate. That's what that is about. A married clergy changes that dynamic. The rate of Protestant clergy who divorce and commit suicide is astronomically higher than their own people. And the demands that Catholics put on their clergy are a lot more than how Protestants or Orthodox treat their own clergy. You know, very often, you know, I think about, you know, what I do in a given day and in a week, and I love it. It's wonderful and amazing. I can't imagine dragging a family through all of that. It just doesn't make sense. And I can't imagine having to tell someone in the middle of the night, sorry, I can't attend, you know, to your loved one's needs because, you know, I have to get up in the morning and take the kids to school, right? I just, I can't imagine that. Everything would have to change. The practicalities alone would be absolutely insurmountable. But there's more than just practicalities here. For Catholics, a priest is alter Christus, another Christ. And our Lord's unmarried state is not an accident. He is the model of the priest. And so shouldn't we expect our priests to be more and not less like Jesus in every way? I'm also continually surprised by people who they think celibacy is so much harder than marriage. Is it? Is it really? I look at my married couples and families, and you have no idea how edified I am by you. It is really incredibly beautiful to see what you go through every day. And it has made me very profoundly aware that marriage is so much harder than celibacy. Celibacy is not, as some people like to reduce it to, all about not doing the marital act. It's about radical freedom and availability. As you know much better than I do, marriage restricts freedom and availability in a way that the Catholic Church wisely has seen is not suitable for the work that she entrusts to her ministers. And the reality is that, you know, you can live without certain activities, 
but you can't live without love. The reform and renewal of our priesthood doesn't come from just allowing priests to do what married couples do. It comes from unleashing them to love. And that's a very different thing. Jesus calls, but there are many who refuse to answer. Jesus hasn't stopped calling, but the reality is that there are many men out there who prefer their own will to God's, or they can't hear His voice through the noise of the modern world. Making the priesthood easier or more attractive, that's not the answer. We need men passionately in love with Jesus Christ and His church to choose to lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel. And men who can't do that, they have no business in the priesthood. We don't need you. The commitment phobia generations today have kind of invented nowadays this mysticism of discernment, right, where they flail around in a fog for years without doing what they need to do to fulfill the will of God, and souls are lost as a result. How many men I see today who are like, well, you know, am I called to the priesthood, or maybe I should do this first, and then maybe I'll do that, and if that relationship doesn't work out, then, you know, God will be my second best. Really? So, right? Or am I called to marriage? You know, I really am not quite sure whether I'm called to marriage. Go on a date, <laughs> okay? That's how you know if you're called to marriage. Meet a girl, love a girl, marry her. End of story, right? But we have this mysticism of discernment. And in the meantime, souls are perishing. Do you want to be a priest? Do you think that you can do what it takes to become and to live as a priest and be happy? Does the church want you to be a priest? Sometimes the church looks at a particular young man and says, no, not you. When Jesus called, the men he called dropped their nets. They left their jobs and their hobbies, and yes, even their wives and families behind, to follow the Lord in that call. Their discernment was not this agonizing, drawn-out thing that went on and on and on. Peter and Andrew, James, John, and their friends knew that it was God who called. And in simple faith and obedience, trusting in the power and grace of the Lord who called, entered the service of the Lord all the way to their martyrdom. Gentlemen, what is the point of this life you were created by God to live? Are you going to follow Christ? Or are you going to appear before the Lord at the last judgment with regrets 
about what could have, should have, would have been had you preferred nothing to the love of Christ. Those of you who call Prince of Peace your spiritual home, I'm going to tell you something you're not going to like, but it's true. Sometimes we get the priest we deserve. Are we working on being holy so that the Lord blesses us with vocations? And if there are obstacles to that flowering of grace, are we removing those obstacles? Are you going to support the men who present themselves for priestly formation and sustain the priest you have? We have an incredible opportunity not to refashion the church in our own image and likeness and pervert and deform the priesthood to the passing things of this world, but to offer to God an acceptable sacrifice of men who love the Lord and are willing to stop at nothing to spread the love of God in the world. Are we ready to do it?